Hello Charlie Charlie One, this is Granite Zero. And welcome back to another instalment of the Granite Zero podcast with me, Tomo. Good to be back, guys. Good to be back talking again to you lovely listeners of mine. It's been a strange, strange week. Um, I've been a bit up and down and it sort of uh, forced me into a sort of a decision where I'm going to go and visit the doctor. Um, Basically to put my mind at ease, to put the uh, missus mind at ease and everybody who's close to me, you know. Um, These up and down stages that I'm going through, it, it does affect me, obviously, but it also affects those that are close to me. And I just can't be having that anymore, you know. I'm sick to death of one minute be super high and super happy and super into everything and then the next minute low and down and flat and dark and just shit basically um and it all coincided with a phone call that I had you know uh from my brother you know Kate had noticed a change in me and sort of prompted my brother to uh, give me a ring. And, you know, my brother has always been basically my best friend. And he's always been there for me no matter what. You know, I could do anything and he would always stick by me and give me advice and stick up for me, all those sort of things. So I get a phone call and it, it was... <laughs> It was a fucking strange phone call to start with. He started going off on a tangent about crows. Basically, his dog thought it'd be a fucking brilliant idea and to kill a crow in the garden. And by all accounts, crows mourn the loss of other crows. So his house was just swarmed with with these crows and you could hear him squawking in the background of the phone call and he was going on and on about these fucking crows. It's like... Hey, what did you actually phone me for? Because I don't care about these fucking crows, mate. I'm at work. What do you want? And uh, we basically had a a fucking long and, you know, needed chat. He was asking me things about why I get triggered into these down days. Um... What are my thoughts and my feelings and how I should basically take my own advice. It's something that I tend not to do. I'm I'm the first to dish out advice willy-nilly. You know, giving out advice to whoever. You know, they could be a bloke on Twitter or a friend, you know, anyone. And I'm the first one to bang out the uh, bang out the gen. You've got to talk. You have to listen. Try doing this. Be positive. And while I'm saying all those things, fucking Captain Hypocrite over here is like, everybody hates me. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. Uh, I used to have a purpose. And so on and so forth. You know, it's always a downward spiral. One minute I'm like, yeah, positivity in your face. Take this. 
Use it. Yeah. Be better you. Good for today. And then the next minute I'm like fucking grumpy. And just like, everybody hates me. You know. And during the chat, I was listening to what he was saying. And taking on board everything. And like automatically the cogs in my head started turning. And I was like. The positive me was then fighting back against the negative me. And it's like, come on, listen to your brother. And he's like, nah, fuck you. But, um, yeah, what really sort of um, has been my trigger is is the whole, I've lost my purpose in life. You know, I was a decent enough gunner. Um, I was working hard. I had stuff to gain from it. I had that little something when someone asked you what you do for a living you would go oh I, I work in the military and people automatically have that like gratitude mainly you know and basically I've got to stop holding on to the past you know the past is the past yes it was a huge part of my life and it was something that I always wanted to do which I've mentioned a number of times and yes I used to go to Iraq, I went to Afghanistan, the bad places to protect those at home. That was my goal, that was my mission, that was my sense of purpose, that was my life. But now, my role has changed. Pardon me. I still got to protect people, you know. I'm still... The protector of my house. Yeah. I've got I've now got dependents that rely on me. My job is now to protect my family. My two little angels at home. The two cheeky attitude filled just amazing little humans. That is my job now. And that's what I've got to remember. Yeah, I was that. Good for you. You've got your medals to prove it. But now you've got these two that need you. They need you to be the best that you can be. They don't want to see me moping about, feeling so down and low. And that's one of the reasons why I've decided to go to the doctors to try and see if I can balance out this, you know, distorted equilibrium that I've got going on. One minute I'm up, one minute down. The fucking yo-yo is pissing me off. But I've now got a realisation that I'm no longer in it for just me. Yes, I've got to put myself forward and put myself... I have to concentrate on things that I'm doing to try and continue my path to fixing what is going on with my head. But now I've got to also realise that these two little humans need that guidance from their dad. And it was like the penny had dropped again, you know. 
But I've got to make sure that the penny stays down, you know. We don't want the penny popping up again and going, forget all that, mate, you're not happy. I've got to stay focused on the different things in my life that keep me on the straight and narrow and keep me on the the positive path to being uh, almost fixed. I don't think I'm ever going to be solely spot on. I'll, I'll always have moments, but everybody has moments. You know, everybody has got moments where they're like, oh, fuck this noise. You know? And during the phone call with my brother, after all these good, solid points that he's raising to me, I noticed something, but I didn't think much of it. You know, he sounded slightly different. He was, you know, he sounded as though he was a bit drunk. And I'm sure he won't mind me talking about it because it's a big part of the mov- the movement because him and I are very similar, you know. However, I'm slightly better at talking about myself and how I'm feeling. Slightly better. It's taken me a while, but I've always been more open about it. I sort of wear all my emotions on my sleeve. You can tell by my face. You can tell by the way I speak if I'm down. I'll try and hide it, but you can always sort of tell. But I was at work, you know, the, the following day after the chat with, with Darren. Um, and then I get a text and it says, can you, are you free to talk? And I phoned, phoned uh, my sister-in-law and she was like, could you have a word with Darren? I don't think he's all right. He was drinking and blah, blah, blah. So I gave him a call and I was like, what's up, mate? And he was like, what do you mean? I was like, come on. You gave me all the advice, all fucking brilliant advice under the sun yesterday. You snapped me out of this downward spiral that I was on. You snapped me out of it. And throughout that whole conversation, you were in a shit place yourself. And you didn't tell me. You fucking had a go at me for not talking to you when I'm like it. But you're doing the same thing. We're just as bad as each other. You know, we've always been together. We've always been as one. We're always Darren and Sean. You know, even though there's four years difference, we were very, very close. You know, I I was fucking kicking myself for not noticing. You know, kicking myself. But we then had a nice good chat and... I gave him some advice. I believe he took it on board. You know, he seemed a lot better. Uh, we were pissing about on the Xbox, playing on Pirates. Uh, you know, um, uh, I can't remember the game. Um, sea of Thieves, that's the one. Smashing that out. It was good, you know. But it just proves that no matter how strong the person you think they are, they might always need someone. You know, it was a killer for me. That's my big brother. 
person who's supposed to look after me. And it was me having to look after him. It was just, it was strange, it was hard. And, you know, at the end of the day, I believe we both got each other through it. And a brother's bond is never broken, ever, you know. And, pardon me, when you're as close as me and my brother are, you know, we were both best men at each other's weddings. You know, if I was in a serious jam or I, or I'd done something serious or I was on the verge of something, he would always be the first person I called because he's my best friend and he... He has been since the day I was born. You know, since I came out as a pinkly, pinkly, pink, wrinkly, tiny little human. Not much has changed. <laughs> He's always been there, you know. And it's something that I'm not sure a lot of people have. You know, I'm sure a lot of people are close to their family. But. Me and my brother have got a special, special bond. And I love him to bits, obviously. You know, he's always been there, you know. Um, but it's, yeah, it was, it's been a bit of a strange week. I'm, we're all on the mend, you know, both of us. You know, we'll, we'll always have up and down days. Um, you know, I've got enough people around me who actually care and give a shit. And that I can talk to, you know. Not a lot of people... Um, have that sort of um, contact, have that sort of resources, maybe, um, have that, that the type of people around them that can help them through whatever situation they're stuck in. And, you know, it's always nice to have that one person two people, whoever, whether, I've said it enough times, whether on the phone, on a text or whatever, just having someone there who you know will always be there and will always be at the end of the phone, no matter what mood you're in, you know, they're always there. Um, and fucking, yeah, to... To coincide with my up and down week, you know, I've had a, a brilliant week at work. You know, I've been given a lot more responsibilities. I'm taking on a new role and everything is sort of clicking into place. You know, um, I've always wanted to be in a job where I've got prospects to go up a ladder. You know, my previous job, although I loved it to fucking bits, you know, spying on people for a living in a, in a, in a van... I didn't have a prospect to go up the ladder. But already 10 months into this job, I'm already seeing improvements in myself, in my ability to handle situations, my ability to man-manage, and becoming the first line of management is, is like, you know, is unheard of for me anyway to, in, within 10 months. I've seemed to have got at this job like a doctor water and it's you know it really benefited me because I can now progress myself where before I was lacking in that progression so I sort of saw it as a dead-end job 
um, like previously to my surveillance role, I was a uh, cash and transit guard. Sorry, my mind went completely blank then. Uh, I was a, and I used to carry the money boxes across the road and and all that sort of bollocks. So again, no progression. Surveillance, no progression. You know, I would have been stuck in a van or a car for ma the majority of my career. Yes, it was an exciting job to some extent. Sometimes it was eight hours in a uh, in a van doing absolutely fuck all. Other times. I was on the move and doing all sorts. Yes, it, it, the scenery changed a lot. The people that I was spying on were changing every week, every day sometimes. But again, no progression. Thus, my mind wanders. I get bored. I can't settle. But now having this, you know, even though it's a small sort of security officer role on on a site where I... It, it's a fair-sized site. There's lots of... Uh, Offices to look after, there's lots of people to sort of watch and what have you. But there's that progression up the ladder and I can move forward, whether it's within the same company or whether it's on a different company. But my CV is always getting better and better and better. But at work this week, it's been um, definitely a strange fucking weekend, I'm telling you. So they're doing some construction work and they <laughs> uncovered... A World War Two ordnance. It was a five hundred pound bomb, obviously dropped on the site. Uh, the site I work on, I'm not going to name it, but it is a former uh, air force base, and it was targeted a lot during uh, World War Two. Thus, a number of ordnance um, within uh, the area. I think this is the third or fourth um, bomb that they found. I haven't seen so many people flapping since I was at Bastion in 2013 with a with a rocket attack. I mean, the head sheds are all going crazy. We got to get this done. We got to get that done. We got to get da 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 da. da, da. Got to get the police in. We got to get EOD in. All all da, 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 da. you know. I thought the area I was working in was going to take off. It's like, come on, you've already got EOD here. You've got the police here. You've got us doing the cordons on this. All you need to do is go around, check the buildings, get the windows open and just smash through it. Take a breath, take a breather and just get through it, yo. <laughs> but these people, they've obviously never been, you know, it's not like a regular thing, a controlled explosion. But, you know, that was like a daily thing in um, like Kandahar, Iraq and... and and Bastion, you know, it's like there will be a controlled explosion at 1500 hours. It's like, all oh, right, cool. But we had it, you know, in, in, in Bastion when um, we had the, one of the first rocket attacks they've had in like years. And the uh, command center just like, there was that many high ranking officers in there flapping about that the whole command center just took off and was like, wee. You know, between myself and the watchkeeper and the, obviously the Marines, you know, we had to try and keep control of, of the situation. So I'm sort of used to dealing with these flappers, but oh, I remember it to this day. So the alarm went off. Obviously, the rockets hit. 
everybody's taken off. You got, you know, the head of the force protection wing in flapping about. You've got fucking all sorts going on. I'm trying to send off um all the relative gen, you know, give a situation report, all that sort of stuff, all that lovely stuff. Giving them the uh poi and poo sites and all that, getting everything organized. And you get fucking one of the sergeants from B flight popping up on the on the radio doing fucking shitty fucking radio checks. You can see that I'm busy, mate. Stop giving me fucking bone radio checks while I'm trying to deal with this rocket attack. You know, and it was more or less along those lines that I said down the radio. And he came in, storming in, tried to have a go at me. The watchkeeper stuck up for me. And, you know, but it, the amount, people just need to take a step back, have a breather and just deal with the situation. You know, a slightly different uh, overseas in a war zone because obviously people's lives are at risk people's lives could have been at risk in this situation at work but you know not to the same extent so if you're in a high pressure situation like i was in in bastion trying to deal with this rocket attack you learn to have to like take a step back have a listen calm yourself down and give out the information that is required cool calm and collected you know if i'm flapping on the radio or if i'm flapping in in life i'm not going to get anything done because i'll be worrying and and i'll cause more mistakes and more problems than than is needed but it's just the way you deal with things you know these these civvies they they've never dealt with a, a situation like this so to be fair it's pretty lucky that they had someone with some sort of knowledge of the situation to deal with it. And doing that, you know, it just puts me in good stead for the for the rest of the, the week, the rest of the, you know, the, my time there, you know. They can see that I can deal with high-pressure situations and that will always look good on me, you know, big-headed and that. But any sort of situation that requires... You know, just that condor moment. Take a step back, have a think. Everybody else can flat for a second. Let me just sort my thoughts out. And let's go. You know? All good. One thing that I'm not prepared for. And I don't think any dad is. You know, just taking a bit of a right turn here. In fucking preparation of things. I've obviously got two daughters. You know, they're very cheeky, very different, very cheeky, but I wouldn't change them. However, they're growing up and I hate it. <laughs> well, I say I hate it. I don't hate it, but I hate it. So, you know, in my eyes, they're still my little babies. They'll always be my little angels and no fucker is going to change that. So I get home and Jess is all smiles and sort of giddy, sort of giggling all the time. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And she was a bit worked up the other day. 
her she thought her friend uh, was going to attempt to take the boy that she likes. And she's proper crushing. Uh, they talk on Fortnite or some shit. I don't know. And Jess was a bit worried because she doesn't play it online because we won't let her because of fucking dirty perverts. Um, so she just plays just normally as you do. But she's worried that her best friend is going to take her, her crush. So she goes off and she writes him a little note. And it's the cutest little note. I'll give her that. So all it says is Declan on the front. I'm going to name him. Don't care. And then I like you inside. And then signed Jessica with a kiss. It's like that is dead cute. However. How ever. You might be seven going on eight. I am not ready for you to get your heart broken yet by some little fucker. I was going to say the C word then, but he doesn't deserve that yet. Because it's inevitable, isn't it? She thought her uh, best friend was going to take the boy she likes. So, you know, they talk to each other on Fortnite, all that sort of thing. And he said that he was going to message her. Something crazy like that. And so Jess was getting herself all worked up. So her mum suggested that uh, she should write a note. And that's what she did. So it was the cutest little note. It had like Declan on the front. And then opened it up. I like you, Jessica X. And I was like, that's dead cute, isn't it? Dead, dead cute. Now, I think it's it's nice, but in my fucking back of my head, I'm like, I've got to prepare myself here for heartbreak. You know, it's going it, to... Eventually, it's going to happen. It's going to fucking... It's going to happen. You know, and daddy's there to fix the pieces pick up the pieces that's what dads are there for dads aren't ready for it any dad that says they're ready for it fucking liar you know she's only seven going on eight years old i am not ready to start fucking marching down to the school and spartan kicking an eight-year-old in the face for breaking my daughter's heart not ready for that and he definitely isn't ready for that and i know he's gonna do it because even if he says yes at some point he's gonna fucking hurt her and i'm gonna get all angry but then i have to take a step back and go ah oh, he's only eight come here jess you'll find another boy now if he was 18 years old and he breaks a heart i'm gonna break his face into small little pieces and then i'm gonna fucking smash his dad just for fun <laughs> but no dad is ready for it no dad you know, I'm struggling now with all this, let alone, you know, when she gets older. My brother is going through, I don't know what he's going through. I don't know if Georgie's got a uh, boyfriend or what. But I've had a similar thing, which I'll get to in a second. But he did the dad thing and went, well, I'm going to check on her phone. She's 12 years old. I've got to check on her phone, make sure she's being a good girl, all that sort of stuff. Lovely, jubbly, have a little look. Oh, Google search dick. What? Yeah, that's right, you heard it. Google search. Eh. 
dick. Now, I don't know if she's searching it because she heard someone say the word dick or if she's actually looking for dick. But still, not ready for that. Not ready. No, thanks. I'm not even ready for it. And that's my niece. Fuck that. What the fuck? <laughs> not ready. Nah. -uh. She's still little Georgie to me. Not ready. No, thank you, pal. Stop searching that. But I've had it with Jess. So me and um, Kate, the one, the one day, you know, we went upstairs and Jess quickly hid the laptop. And we were like, what's she doing that for? Why is she hiding the laptop? And then uh, we took it off her, had a little look, opened it up, typed into Google. And it had uh, naked people, but naked was spelled N-A-Y-K-I-D. Naked. <laughs> naked people, you know. And I know it definitely wasn't me, even though I'm dyslexic as fuck. I know how to spell, all right. I know how to spell, and I would definitely be on you porn looking for it. But, yeah. And, hey, Jess, I just got to say, if you're going to search for that stuff, Go and talk to your mum about it, because I'm not ready. No thanks. Nuh uh. That's a mum job. I'm here to just to pick up the heartbreak pieces, knock out some kids, and all is all good. Anything to do with puberty, naked people, sex, no thanks. Not for me, not today. Nuh uh. Like, I can't even bear to think what my father in law is thinking, because I. Fucking, yeah. You know. And, nah. I don't even know if I can handle when the girls get a boyfriend when they're old enough and they're doing that sort of shit. How the fuck are you? How are you supposed to deal with that? That's not in a manual. That's not in an aid memoir. Who the fuck teaches dads that have daughters to deal with that shit? Can someone please tell me? Mm. <sighs> not ready now if I had boys I'd be like yeah you go get that you go smack that ass and I'm sure some fucking dad is thinking that when my daughters grow up good on you boy Woo! good smashing hey that's my little girl man how fucking dare you <laughs> <laughs> I ain't having it. Not nah, not today. Not tomorrow. And certainly not in 10 years' time when she's 18 and out clubbing and seeing little fuckers out clubbing. And, you know, I know what it's like to be an 18-year-old boy. I was one once and I was a cunt. <laughs> oh, who teaches dads this stuff? <sighs> I'm going to make a hunting club. Dads with pretty daughters. And I'm going to start fucking... Executing little cunts. <laughs> oh, fuck me. Not ready. Not ready for that. <laughs> oh, you can laugh about it now. I'm oh, I'm not even joking. I'm, no, I'm nowhere near ready for this. Oh...
Naked people. Naked people. Ugh. Fuck. But yeah. I tell you what. It's been a strange fucking week. It certainly has. Um, so many highs and so many lows, you know. But I'm getting there. I'm getting there. And talking to you about stupid things like, like I was just talking about is, is, you know, it helps me bring that smile back, you know. Because at one point I'm thinking me and my brother were down and we, we, we're trying to get each other out. And then it's like, I'm going to take a fucking massive right turn here and start talking about my daughter's little crush. And going off on a tangent. But... Talking like this is what makes me me at the minute. And I love being back in the, in the shed, drinking a fucking whiskey and just having a laugh. You know, I haven't laughed like that for a couple of weeks now. You know, I might be fucking mad as fuck because I'm sat in a shed laughing to myself. If anyone is fucking in earshot of me going off on a tangent and laughing to myself, they must find it fucking hilarious. But it's it's something that helps me get through just life, you know. All the stresses, all the fucking dramas, all the ups and downs, hearing that your friends are not right, hearing that your brother's not right, and just trying to deal with everything each day as it comes. And that's sort of the moral of this, you know. Take each day. Take the help that you need, whether it's going to the doctor, whether it's taking your CBD oil, whether it's talking to a friend, a family member, whoever. But taking that time to take yourself out of a situation and just relaxing and rebuild something. Just like the puzzle. That I mentioned in the last podcast. Just like. Lego. <laughs> you know. Oh fucking. Here's another tangent for you. Fucking Lego. So. You know. I've never had patience with Lego. You know. When I was a kid. I was given fucking Playmobil and Duplo. Because I couldn't build nothing. Because I'd literally try. For about a second. Can't do it. Throw it. I'd watch my brother and my dad build stuff for hours and just smash it to pieces because I was a little fucker. Now, Jess is uh, obsessed with Harry Potter and for Christmas we got some Harry Potter Lego which I had to build. It took me fucking hours. I mean literally hours. I had to build part of Hogwarts and the fucking Quidditch pitch. So I get a text like earlier today. Jess has broken the Slytherin and Gryffindor Tower. <sighs> I felt like fucking the Incredible Hulk. I swear I went green at one point. But I had to take a moment and realise, you know, it's a toy. It's to be played with. And if it breaks, then you just rebuild it. But the fucking thing was, she wasn't even playing with it. She threw a teddy at it and shattered it to pieces. Took me fucking hours. 
<laughs> oh, little fucker. But yeah, that's something I'm going to have to do this week is rebuild that. So not only am I rebuilding myself to be back to being Tomo, being back to being me, being back to being happy, I'm going to build fucking Lego. Brilliant. Anyway, um, this week I'm not going to be talking much about sports. I'm not going to be talking about current events. Um, well, in saying that, you know, I took a lot of inspiration and a lot of pride this week. Obviously, it was the 75th anniversary of uh, the D-Day landings. And seeing what those brave men put themselves through to fight back and eventually win the war, you know, just a breathtaking story, really. And that's why they are the great generation. You know, I couldn't see fucking the snowflakes from this year. You know, if something kicked off, you know, oh, me too. Oh, I'm a transgender. I can't get changed in that toilet. You know, they wouldn't be able to storm the fucking beaches of Normandy and take back the advantage and put put the Allies on the fucking front foot. Would they fuck? But yeah, I took a lot of pride and, you know, seeing some of the stories on the BBC One um, uh, little show, you know, hearing people say, I'm not the hero I'm I'm I was just lucky to be alive the real heroes lost their lives and you know seeing all those veterans that a lot of them getting out of their wheelchairs to walk you know they're like late 80s 90s mid 90s some of these men with all those fucking medals across their chest it just fills me for the pride that we had such we were so lucky to have a generation that didn't give up and give in and if they can't give up and give in, you know, I'm not going to give up and give in and you're not going to give up and give in because that's what makes this fucking nation great. That's what makes us as people fucking great is seeing that generation, you know, your nans and granddads, your great nans and granddads, how fucking selfless they were to go and fight to give up their life so that we could have today they gave up their tomorrow a lot of these so that we could have today so just take that on board you know and on that note i want to talk about a few um veteran causes that i always talk about because they are you know such powerful things you know you've got combat fuel great supplement company you know, you've got my fucking good friends of mine now at 50 Cal Coffee. Sporting their hat as we speak. Been drinking it all day at work. It's fucking brilliant. If you want to have something that will put a smile on your face, support veteran causes. If you love your veterans, if you love Great Britain and you fucking hate ISIS, go and drink 50 Cal Coffee. Yeah? Just get amongst it. You know, just say Tomo Granite Zero sent you. You won't get a discount yet, but you might at some point. <laughs> hey, hey, 50 cal coffee. I've been bigging you up for fucking weeks now. At least send me something. Send me a flag. <laughs> of course, go out onto um, 
go out onto Amazon and look up the book Broken by War. Fantastic read. Will keep you, you know, intrigued, engrossed and just turning each page and wanting to read more and more and more and more. Yeah. Broken by War. Brilliant book. One of the best books I've ever read. You know. And just, you know. Just remember that you're not alone out there if you're struggling with anything. You know, us at Granite Zero, we're here for you. And I'm sure you've got friends out there. They're there for you. You've got family. And you've always got an option. You know, I very much fucking love this podcast because I've been fucking laughing my tits off about beating up fucking future 18 year olds that are dumping my daughter um but yeah it's been a, it's been a brilliant episode and I've, I've enjoyed it uh what i've got to go and do now i've got to go and finish this and go and make my fucking school lunches and iron some fucking uniform but you know a dad's day and a dad's duty and a dad's job is never done so those of you that are our dads just remember that you might have lost your purpose you might have, uh, you might be stuck at work. You might be stuck in a rut. If you're a dad and you're listening, you've always got, you know, that role. You've got that job. You've got two, well, in my, in my case, you've got two beautiful angels that I would never let anyone hurt and I would never hurt them, you know. That's my job. That's my role. And that's what I fucking love. And that's what keeps me going. Seeing those two. But yeah. It's time for me to close this up now. And as always. Unedited. Unscripted. And just fucking unbeatable. Oh! He dropped that one, didn't he? But I've been Tomo. This has been the Granite Zero podcast. I'm Tomo. And as they say in the regiment, per ardua, through adversity, I'm out. Hello, Charlie Charlie One, this is Granite Zero. Ouch!